Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. John, the apostle, recording the words of Jesus with Nicodemus. It's a portrayal, and doesn't it make you wonder how they got the words and then how it got all the way to us? He's speaking to Nicodemus about some of the most important stuff, eternal life, because that is what John wants us to know. It's one of the key aspects of God's love that John wants us to know. And when you think about it, think about how you know somebody. Often what we'll do is this. We'll go get some testimony from some other people. And we'll say to them, hey, what do you know about that person? Or what can you tell me about that person? John is doing that for us. He's been collecting all this data about knowing about the love of God. And we conclude uh, this week going through his text, 1 John. I'm Brian Wren, your transition lead pastor. And whether you're in person or you're on the lawn or you're at home, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. And as we conclude, we start with a question today about what you know about God's love and provision. So take a look at this question. Because I think it's important, just like John's trying to pass on what he knows to us so it can be life-changing, we are messengers of God. And I'm wondering right now, what are the top three to five things you know regarding what God's love provides? So it would be as simple as this. God's love provides, what would you say if somebody said to you, hey, what can you tell me? What do you know about God's love and what it provides. Like, why would I even want it? Why would I even want to consider it? So let's call out a couple of those. And kids, I want you in on this. What do you know about what God's love provides? And adults, start us off. Somebody give me one. Provides grace. Yeah, God's love provides grace. Oh, it's a glorious thing. Somebody else. Yes, God's love provides forgiveness. John has even talked about that in this letter also. Keep coming. <laughs> They're battling over it. I love it. Identity. Yeah, Danny's brought that. You're going to see that again today. It's one of the major things that John wants us to know. Was there another one over here? Hope. Think about it in these uncertain times. I'm going to use that word a lot today. In these uncertain times, what do we need from God and his love to help us get through. Anybody else? Over here, what was it? Eternal life. Yeah, he provides eternal life. We have been learning about many aspects of what God's love provides, but as we close out this series, there seems to be four things that John is amplifying. And I use that word amplifying because if you go back and learn about how he wrote this book and in the style he wrote this book, he wrote it in what's called an, amplif in an amplified way or amplification. He's taken a few concepts and continually comes back to them. You've heard of some of them, you know, eternal life, love, children of God. And he revisits them. As we close out today, he revisits these four things he wants to make sure that we know about his love. Because here's our big idea today. Knowing and receiving his love 
Knowing and receiving his love changes everything. You saw the scene with Nicodemus. Do you know the backstory on Nicodemus? Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin. He was just a good Jewish guy who was following the law and tried to lead other people in the Jewish law. But he saw something in Jesus, and he began to want to know and be one to receive what Jesus had. And in the end, it changed everything. Does anybody know the backstory on Nicodemus, that guy that was portrayed there? He ends up becoming one of the people who buries Jesus. You don't bury Jesus if you're a Sanhedrin. You're a traitor if you do that. Something he knew changed everything in his life. That's why John wants to know, know this, wants us to know this. So open up your Bibles, and let's go to 1 John 5, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 13 that Amy first read to us. And here's the first thing that he wants to make sure that we know. And you've already called it out. Remember, it's written in a form of amplification, so we've heard this before, but he's ending with it and saying, make sure you get this. We know his great love provides eternal life. Here's what it says in verse 11. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life is what? In his son. Whoever has the son has this life. Whoever does not have, whoever, whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you see it, the first thing he wants? He wants us to know that we have eternal life. I want to change your view on eternal life today. We think, and I often think of eternal life as just future, right? It's the, it's the icing on the cake. I get to be with God forever and ever. I want you to think of it as a stream that begins in you, as it says in Ecclesiastes, that in Ecclesiastes, that in our hearts is eternity when we believe. It's this stream that begins to flow in us and begins then to well up and it, and it crescendos in life with God in the future, but it starts now with us connecting with him right now. It's this gift of life in a whole new way. It's just not about death. I love where John, this writer, in his other book, the book of John, in verse 413 the scene of the woman at the well, he tries to describe this to her. And this is what he says. They're at this well. She's come. She's come with her bucket. She's actually come with her clay pots. She's got a lot of brokenness in her life. And in the end, he's trying to describe to her what he has for her. And he mentions this thing of eternal life. Here's what he says. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's referring to the well she's standing at. But whoever drinks the water, I give them the well, the water that he wants her to get from his well, will never thirst. Indeed, that water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I can remember when I first experienced this spring, it became a cleansing spring. It then became a whole new lens Eternal life is just not the future. It's seeing life through the lens of eternity. And that messes with us, doesn't it? But it's glorious if we let it. So think about it. In these uncertain days, it is so important that we tap into this well of eternal life so that what? 
Excuse me, I'm not sure what that was. That during these times, these uncertain times, that we can experience a different way of life on earth. That we can actually also have assurance in our death. Death to me right now seems closer than before. Can anybody relate to that? And I don't mean that as a way to scare people. Scott and I were talking, Billy Graham back in the day during um, the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were talking about how that was used at times as a way to draw people to faith. Like, not a scare tactic, but hey, there could be a nuclear bomb. Do you know Jesus? I don't operate like that when it comes to salvation. But to me, death has never been closer than before. And I don't say it as a scare tactic, but I know this, I can be assured of what my eternity is. And that is a huge aspect of eternal life. Eternal life starts with this, this thing that seems to well up within us, but it ends with this glorious thing. And so in these uncertain times, I believe that we can live with assurance of life everlasting with Jesus, and we can live in a different way from here on. Look at this second point with regards to God's love providing. His love provides his will for us through prayer. His love provides his will for us through prayer. This is what it says in 1 John 5, 14. This is a confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. The good news is God's will for our life is actually a part of his love. God's will for our life is a part of our love, a part of his love. And the beautiful part about this is it's not a mystery. It can be known. So when you think about it, I want you to stop here and ponder. How do you feel about the fact that God has a will for your life? We're not typically taught that from birth, all right? If anything, in Western culture, we're taught, hey, you can figure your life out. Hey, you can become whatever you want. But what if there's this different way that is his will? And that's what God is saying here. I have a will for you, and through your prayers, I can lead you into that. This is not a mystery. Your life is not a mystery. That's part of his love. Not all things are revealed at all times, but it's not a mystery. I want you to consider today, are you allowing him to lead you in his will through your prayer life. Because this is what this is saying. This is not saying whatever you ask for, you just get. This is saying that if you ask according to his will, you will receive it. Those are two very different things. In order to receive this portion of his love, you have to believe what he has for you is better than what you think you have for yourself. This is challenging. It reminds me of my life last November. Because I actually believe we can follow God's will if we follow his leadings in prayer. Did you hear that? We can follow God's will if we follow his leadings in prayer. I believe there's really three types of leadings. There's these internal leadings that God puts on our hearts about things. And then there's these external leadings that doors open and close. Then there's these spiritual leadings that God seems to confirm through his word and through other people. Let me give you an example. Last November... I was feeling some dissonance about being at PCC and in my role after 25 years. 
And I begin to feel it. And God, what are you doing? Are you moving me on? I remember going over to Gary's house, our former lead pastor, and telling him that. And we sat at his table and cried and thought, is this it? This is over between us. We had partnered for so many years, uh, since 1997. And we left it at, I don't know, let's wait and see. But I had this dissonance. I had this internal desire to possibly go. So I began to venture out and look at the external leadings. Was there something out there for me? And I thought there was this one, and I followed it for a little bit, and then it closed. And then I, I followed these other ones for a little bit, and those external things closed. And then at a point, Miss and I, uh, in early March, decided, no, I think we're just supposed to wait on the Lord and put everything aside. And on that day, I can actually know what day that was. That was March 5th. It was a Friday. And I was supposed to send some emails out to some people to say, hey, I'm not interested in things anymore. And I got scared. I held on to my will. (laughs) I didn't get the nerve to cut the cord until March 8th, Monday. And I cut it. And I said, hey, we're going to wait. Wouldn't you know, on March 10th, I walk into Gary's office. And he has the nerve to say to me that he feels like he's being called out. I was like, hey, I thought this was about my will. This isn't about you, Gary. And he said, Ann and he were going to go away the weekend after March 10th and ponder and pray. Well, lo and behold, all that played out. And over time, remember, there was internal leadings, dissonance in my heart about my role here, externally things closing, and then spiritually being confirmed later on, oh, it's still here, but in a different way. Confirmed biblically, I could give you verses that I was in that seemed to confer that, and then you all spiritually confirming that. I'm not special. I'm a pilgrim trying to follow the will of God just like you. We all can operate into his will, into his way, if we follow the internal leadings, the external leadings, and confirm it with spiritual leadings through the word of God in one another. This is a beautiful way in which he loves us, that he will guide, he will guide our lives. It's beautiful, and it's worth doing. And think about now in these uncertain times how much we need to keep coming back to this well and seeking his leading and seeking his will and actually letting our will be released and to allow him to lead us in his way. I know you can relate to this. I am not the only one up here who has followed the leadings and will of God. Would you just raise your hand if you've had that experience in some way? It doesn't make you special. That makes you a follower of Jesus. I should have you raise your hands to prove it, that this is, can be a normalcy in our lives. Look at what he offers also to us in his love. John wants us to know, and this is one he keeps amplifying and coming back to again and again and again. John keeps amplifying that he wants us to know that his great love provides our true identity, that we're children of God. Look at the passage. It's in verse 19. This is now like the fourth or fifth time he's used the word children in the book, and he's ending, remember, with one of the four things. I want you to know this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. What a contrast. You're children of God, but there's evil. You've got to be aware that there's evil and there's temptation, and you can be lured into this. And even after you get lured into this, I want you to know you're still a child of God, and I love you. What John is saying here is, I can protect you. I can forgive you. 
we start at the basis of you have to prove nothing to me, I just love you. Think about the song that we just sang. I'll build my life upon your love for it is a firm foundation. Kids in the room, raise your hand if you're a kid in the room. We're glad you're here. Kids, I, this is the primary thing that's probably always worth remembering, that you are a loved child of God. And that's where you start life from. Adults, isn't it amazing how we have to endlessly come back to that? Because we forget that. Or we were told other things from other wells, other fathers, other mothers, and we have to keep coming back to that. Kids, raise your hands again. You still in the house? Raise your hands, kids. Come on. They're avoiding me now. You also have to realize this. You're imperfect, but God still loves you, and he just wants you to keep coming back to his well and walking in his way. It's the same thing for us. This is where we come back to our core verse in 1 John, uh, 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has what? Lavished on us. He's lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. Do you remember Danny standing here with a mirror last week? It was all about him trying to figure out his identity. Do you remember the story that Scott told a couple weeks ago? That story a couple weeks ago where Han Solo said to Ben Solo, remember who you are. Do you remember Ian up here with a hula hoop a while back? He had a hula hoop. He was doing all kinds of things with it. But in the end, what he was saying is, if we understand that we're loved, we're more likely to go out of our comfort zone and do what? Love others. It all matters if we understand our identity. And in this time of uncertainty, I think when we doubt where is God and what are you doing, it's best to remember how loved we are. Look at the last thing. It's uh, verse 20, chapter 5. We know his great love for us provides his presence in us. Look at verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding through his Spirit so that we might so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. God is saying here, you have his presence and you can fully, fully, fully know God. There's this relationship that he wants with you. Do you remember Hannah, or Hannah, excuse me, when she was up here? Hannah told this great story that at one point, someone was wanting her to understand the love of God more, and they gave her a journal, and they said, just start talking to God. I'm not promoting journaling as the only way to do that, but that was the symbol that there's this presence that Hannah had that could relate to a loving God. John is wanting us to know today the big four, that we have this eternal life that's in our hearts and takes us to heaven. John is wanting us to know today that there's this will that we can experience through prayer. John is wanting us to know today that our identity is secure, we're children of God, and that we have this powerful presence that can help us love in ways that can help us understand him in ways, that can be reminded of his ways, that can lead us in his ways like nothing else. So it's so interesting to me how he ends this book, though. 
He gives us the four biggies to know. Remember, he's amplifying those because he's written this text in this way. But then look what he does in the very last line. It's so odd to me. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. You would think you would say, grace and peace to you. Go forth in love. Remember what I've said. But he gives us like this sharp warning because he knows we need it. Reminds us of our identity and then says, do not let anything become more important than the love of God. You know what an idol is? An idol is anything you desire or depend on more than God and his will. Did you hear that? Anything you desire or depend on more than God and his will. Anything that is more power than the love of God. He's saying, don't choose a lesser thing. Here are some idols, my own dreams. Doesn't mean you can't have dreams, but are you more worried about God's dreams and desires for you or just your own dream? How about this? Your dreams for your kids. Guilty of that. Anybody else relate to that? You have this thought of how their box should be, and meanwhile, their box is a triangle. What else? Relationships can become an idol. Your reputation, your possessions, your career. How about this one at 53? I can relate. Financial security. God, take me where it's most secure for me versus God, take me where you want me to go. Wow. Are you more concerned about your way or God's will? That's why John is leaving us with this line. So as we go today, I want to give you an image. Because remember, this big idea for the knowing and receiving his love changes everything. Remember I told you about the woman at the well and Jesus was explaining to her, I'm going to give you this water that will overflow to eternal life and change everything. This is our opportunity on a daily basis. I think this is what we need to do in order to move forward. We need to keep coming to the well and look at these uh, applications on the screen. We need to identify, all right, God, I'm at the well. Just like she had these idols that she was trapped by, what are the things that are holding us back? What are our idols that we're holding so, so strongly to that we just need to let go? And then to fully receive it, whether you do it again and again, or it's for the first time where you just acknowledge, God, you love me, and I am sinful, but I believe and I commit daily to walk with you. It's as simple as A, B, C, whether you do it for the first time or uh, the hundredth time. And so what's your step? What's the step you need to take towards the well more? Because remember, God is much more concerned about our direction on a daily basis than our perfection. Remember, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us for all righteousness. He'll forgive us, but he's more concerned of our direction toward him. So what step could you take? Just saying Jesus in the morning? Is it using a breath prayer? Is it getting in his word? What will be the reminder of his love that you can take from this series? Is it just a note you write yourself? I am loved. <laughs> He has a will for my life. You post it somewhere. What will it be so that you live more in that joy and freedom? Because that's what we have available to us. Let us pray.
Father, we acknowledge today that you are this unbelievably gracious God. We acknowledge, God, that you are the Messiah, the one who saves us. Lord, we acknowledge that we are sinful and in of great need of you. Lord, we acknowledge that we put our plans ahead of your will. But we acknowledge, God, that your spirit is alive and active and can guide us into the uncertain and into the unknown. And Lord, we acknowledge today that eternity with you starts now and then is forever. Lord, as we sit here right now, help us to acknowledge your love. Take a moment, acknowledge it in some way before him right now. And for the first time or the hundredth time, reaffirm that you believe that Jesus made this all possible through his death and resurrection. And then in this moment, Tell God you'll yield and recommit to following his spirit. And then when you wake up tomorrow, do it. And then when you wake up on Tuesday, do it. And just keep recommitting and wander in his direction more and more. So God, we give you this. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.